1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance of the USA Wealth Group. It's time to get your finances in order. MoneyWise starts now. And good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to MoneyWise. We have a very special show today for anybody who has ever had a question about what are Masons and what is Freemasonry. Anybody who's ever had uh, a son, a brother, a father, a husband, or just yourself if you're over the age of 18 and you're a male. If you've ever been interested in learning more about Freemasonry, then please stay tuned today because we're going to talk about that subject today. We're going to talk about how important Freemasonry has been to the United States of America. We're going to be talking about the history that we have in Massachusetts. We are the oldest Masonic jurisdiction in North America, the state of Massachusetts, the Grand Lodge of Massachusetts. So first thing I'd like to do this morning is to say a big welcome to my friend and my brother, Mr. Dino Valenti. Good morning, Dino. Good morning. Thank you for joining me. We had a couple of other people who had events to to attend, but they were going to be here this morning. But today we're going to be talking about something coming up on Saturday, October 19th. There's going to be an open house for Massachusetts Freemasons and Freemasonic Lodges all across the entire state of Massachusetts. So if you have questions, if you have interest, take some time to visit a Masonic Lodge near you on Saturday, October 19th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. There'll be fellow Masons there. They'll be happy to give you a tour. Uh, Some of the Masonic Lodge buildings are really uh, very interesting and very attractive. But uh, Dino, I have to also say that not only are you my Masonic brother, but you're also a veteran, and thank you for your service. And you're very welcome. And uh, Dino got a served. Great country. Dino served in the United States Navy. He actually retired. At, uh, he was a Navy aider, Navy aviator. Let me get my words out. And you were a pilot, Dino. Yes, I was. And I know that you served for 30 years in the Navy. You retired as a Navy captain, which is a very distinguished rank. But you also told me something interesting before we begin the show today. For a brief period of time, you were some form of an admiral. So I used to know all the ranks. What kind of an admiral were you for a while? I was a two-star rear admiral uh, in the first desert storm, working for directly from President Bush selection. But you weren't demoted or anything. That was strictly a temporary position in Desert Storm, correct? That is correct. It was not a permanent rank, but you did retire as a Navy captain. And then I know that after that, you went on to uh, serve as a pilot also for American Airlines. That is correct. So you've done a lot of flying, haven't you? I have a good, full, solid 45 years in the air. Now, what was your favorite plane to fly? Well, my favorite military plane was the F-4 Phantom. Okay which is a real hot rod that uh, aviators enjoy. And in commercial aviation, the 727, which has the exact same engines of the F-4 Phantom. Interesting. With afterburners. Wow, with afterburners. But the Phantom... (laughs) No, I'm sorry, correction. Without afterburners. So the Phantom Jet... Three engines. Which one had the afterburners, the Phantom Jet? The Phantom Jet. Okay, that makes sense. Each engine was 17,500 shaft horsepower, and there was two of them. Wow. So how fast could the Phantom Jet fly? The Phantom Jet was designed to do Mach 1. Which is about how many miles per hour for us lay people who haven't flown before? uh, 
about a thousand miles an hour. Wow. Eleven hundred miles per hour. Eleven hundred miles an hour. Very quick. Yeah, that's very fast. <laughs> well, that that must have been quite a rush to fly those jets, I would imagine. Very much so, and we dog fought at supersonic. Wow, you had dog fights at supersonic speeds. Absolutely amazing. And uh, that was the uh, missile uh, beyond uh, uh, vision, that actual vision uh, that you would uh, go to battle with is incredibly exciting work. Wow. So um, you've actually served in combat then as a Navy pilot. Yes, I did. Okay. Most of my career. Wow. Well, that's very impressive, and thank you for your service. You're very welcome. And um, I know you've got other family members that have served in the military as well as, as we have in our family. And my family, as I mentioned to you, we have four generations of Marines, but I never flew anything except as a passenger. <laughs> so I think it's the safest way. Well, the other thing I have to say is that um, uh, my Masonic brother, my brother Dino Valenti, um, is also currently the master of his lodge in Marion, and it's Pythagorean Lodge. And um, he will be there for a while on uh, Saturday, October 19th, uh, coming up very shortly. 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock is the open house. Um, Gentlemen in particular, if you're over the age of 18 and you've ever had any thought or interest in becoming a Mason or you've just been curious about it, take time to visit an open house. And it's happening at all the lodges across the state of Massachusetts. And somewhere I have a little list. In New Bedford, it's on County Street. So Pythagorean Lodge in Marion is located at 13 Spring Street in Marion. In Fairhaven, the George H. Tabor Masonic Lodge, they're located at 20 Center Street, Fairhaven. And um, see, Josh Bumpus is the new master there now. Yes, he is. And he was master before. He's now master again, which is nice. Uh, Nokachoke Masonic Lodge is in Westport, at 305 Hicksbridge Road. I think most people who live in the Westport area have driven by that before and been curious about the building. In New Bedford, we have three lodges that meet, and they're located at 435 County Street. It's on the corner of County and Union Street, also a very well-known building, very historical building. Um, starting the East Lodge, Quiticus Lodge, and um, what other lodge? Um, Howland Lodge meet in that particular building. In Fall River, and there are people who are listening from Fall River, there are several Masonic Lodge uh, organizations, and they all meet in the same building at 152 Columbus Drive in Fall River. So any of these Lodge buildings will be having an open house this coming Saturday on October 9th, 19th, 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock. I might mention that every single one of the Masonic buildings have a very strong historic significance in the communities that they are in. They are all 100 years or older in their construction, which is quite amazing. The one in Nokachoke is 1900. The one in Marion is 1908, just for a note of interest. So if anyone's interested in in architecture and uh, American local history, Please come out and visit with us. You'll be amazed. So, Dino, you are um, currently uh, the present master of Pythagorean Lodge in Marion. I am a past master of Star in the East Lodge in New Bedford. And a master of the lodge has an unusual title. They're called Worshipful Master. And worshipful means not in the sense that you worship this person. 
It's an old English historical sign of respect. That is correct. To call somebody worshipful. So masters in Masonic lodges are called worshipful or worshipful master. That is very true. And uh, we try very uh, diligently to uh, leap into that uh, category. So um, if you are a young man over the age of 18 and meet certain criteria, you're welcome to apply to become a Mason. There is a process. I've sponsored probably 10 people during my Masonic career who've gone on to become masters and uh, masters or officers in their lodge and very active. And the one thing I will say about everybody who's a Mason is that they're very proud of it. They're very proud of the experience of becoming a Mason. And um, so the open house is on Saturday, October 19th. If you ever wondered who the Freemasons are, are they, in fact, descendants of the Knights Templar? There's a lot of mythology about who Masons are and their history. And they're not directly uh, descendants of Knights Templar, but there are some historical connections. If you've ever wondered what's inside the buildings, uh, this is an opportunity. And you don't have to be male to do this. You can go there even uh, as a female. Only men can join uh, Freemasons. But more than 200 lodges across the state of Massachusetts will be holding this open house. You can have a tour. They'll have some refreshments. And it's just an opportunity to learn more. So Freemasons do trace their roots back to the stonemason guilds that build the European cathedrals and castles during the early part of the last uh, 200 years, 100 years. Uh, we all have long histories, especially in Massachusetts as well. Grand Lodge of Masons in Massachusetts, by the way, was founded in 1823. Um, I'm going to double-check that date just to be sure. Is it 1833, Dino? 1733. Seven, I'm sorry. You know, my, my uh, sinuses are still not <laughs> functioning <coughs> the way the they same, are, so I'll use that as my challenge. excuse today. <laughs> 1733, of course. I'm thinking of when our, our building was perhaps built. Um, in any event, 1733, yes, for uh, the era. Right. So it's been around for a long time. In England, uh, Freemasonry was formally organized in 1717. But in Massachusetts, it was formally organized in 1733. So the Grand Lodge of Masons in Massachusetts is the oldest Masonic group in the Western Hemisphere, and it's the third oldest in the world. So here's a quiz for you, Gino. And it's unique if you become a Mason in Massachusetts, you have that distinction of being a member of the third oldest jurisdiction in the world. That's so, pretty cool. So we know that England was the first oldest Masonic jurisdiction. Yes. Who was number two? The Grand Lodge of Scotland. Actually, it was number, Ireland was number oh, Ireland. two. So it was England, Ireland, Massachusetts, and Scotland. Scotland was actually number four. Okay. So I stand corrected. But uh, that's all right. I didn't prep you ahead of this time. It's always a good history you. lesson when we get together. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's ask the question of what is a Freemason? First of all, what is Freemasonry? Well, um, I'll answer some questions myself, and you've got a lot of information not only in your head but in front of you. But Freemasonry is a fraternity. Um, it's an association of men. Um, it has uh, long historical roots and a lot of very interesting things in the history of the uh, Revolutionary War in this country that we're going to talk about in a minute. But um, basically, Freemasonry is an association of men who have 
gotten together to promote uh, brotherly love, relief, which is charity and truth. So we celebrate certain values, including uh, honesty and truth. Uh, we support each other uh, always. Um, we support charities. Masons in the United States of America currently donate and contribute more than $2 million a day across the country that's used for charitable purposes. And I will say that most of the charities that Masons support are related to children. Not all, but most. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. So, um, Dina, what are some of the requirements, if you can tell me, that you must have in order to become a Mason in Massachusetts? Like age, for example. How old must you be? Well, very basically, you need to be at the age of 18 right. or older. You need to have and maintain good moral standards and values that can be uh, referred to by your references of people that know you. We all make mistakes, and we're all human beings, and sometimes past discretions uh, may carry over, but when they stop, that is an important facet. You also are, should have a belief in a deity, which means that there is something and someone uh, creation beyond just you. And it has to be a single deity. It has to be That's true. a belief in God or a single deity. So you don't have to belong to a particular religion. No. Uh, we have uh, folks of at least four different faiths in my lodge that I know of. We have uh, Protestants, we have Catholics, we have Muslims, uh, we have Jewish members in our in our Sterner's Lodge. The uh, historic uh, uh, religious type text that we allow on our holy altar is the Holy Bible, the Quran, and the Torah. Torah. Yep. Those three religious, per se, groups are totally and openly accepted uh, among Freemasonry. So when somebody takes their, their oath, if you will, to become loyal to the organization and not to reveal uh, the secret parts of Freemasonry to non-Masons, um, they do so on their book of faith, don't they? That is true. And it's also true that no atheist can become a Mason. So you must—you don't have to belong to a religion. You don't have to go to church or temple or any other organization, but you do have to express a belief in a single supreme being. That um, is absolutely correct. And um, I'm going to give you a quotation from George Washington. And did you know that George Washington was a Mason? Yes, he was. Okay. So in Alexandria, Virginia, there's a very spectacular piece of architecture. It's called the George Washington National Masonic uh, monument or memorial, and you can see it from the very bottom of the main street in Alexandria. If you're down at the Potomac River and you look over a mile up the street, perfectly straight line, at the very top of the hill, you'll see the monument. Have you, have you been there, by the way? I have, and it's a magnificent edifice. And it's open to the public. I've been there uh, several times myself. Well, George Washington was a Mason, and he once said, Freemasonry is an institution founded on eternal reason and truth, whose deep basis is the civilization of mankind, and whose everlasting glory is to have the immovable support of those two mighty pillars, science and morality. It's a little bit of a difficult quotation, but I just wanted to mention this because George Washington was an active Mason, and... Um, so were some of the other uh, French generals who came to support him. 
um, was it Lafayette who fought beside him? Yes, sir. So when I went to the George Washington National Masonic Memorial, Dino, um, I saw George Washington's Masonic apron. I saw the lodge chair that he sat in, and then I also saw the Masonic apron of um, General Lafayette, who was an advisor and supporter. The French supported the, the Americans in the Revolutionary War. One other quotation from George Washington I want to give you. He said, One thing and only one thing a Masonic Lodge can give its members, which they can get nowhere else in the world, that one thing is Masonry. So Masonry teaches values. Um, and I have a few other quotations that I'll provide as we go along. And um, I want to just remind people that we're here today talking with worshipful Dino Valenti, who's master of his lodge in Marion, Massachusetts, um, Pythagorean Lodge. That is the correct pronunciation, right, Pythagorean? Yes, I've heard it other ways, but whichever works best, it depends where you come from. Because <laughs> in school, we, we were taught the Pythagorean theorem yes. in geometry. Exactly. Named after the great Pythagoras who invented that one, which is the, the uh, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Wow. Mathematically. I wonder if he was a mason. He, well, yes, he was. Okay, well, let's talk about a few famous masons because I think that's always interesting. Um, I believe that approximately one-third of our presidents of the United States have been Masons. That is very true. Both uh, Roosevelt's, including President Truman. Yeah, Teddy Roosevelt, Harry Truman. Did you know that when Harry Truman was president of the United States, he was a very busy man, obviously, as president. He went to visit his lodge, and when he went to visit his lodge, um, he asked permission to speak, and he had to stand in front of the main altar address the master, he had to give the appropriate signs and ask permission to speak. And the person that he asked permission to speak from, uh, the master of the lodge, was his gardener. Yes, that is very true. And that's a wonderful story because <laughs> what it teaches is that we say there's no greater title in Freemasonry than Master Mason. And you become a Master Mason after you take three degrees. And the one thing that I've always found um, most important to me about Freemasonry is that everybody's an equal. You know, it doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter whether you're a master of your lodge, Dino, or I'm a past master of my lodge. Um, we're all equal. And from the youngest entered apprentice who comes in to the oldest past master, uh, we're getting there sooner than later, um, we're all equals. And we're all brothers. And so sometimes... There's a lot of um, language terms that are used in this country and across the world today that derive from Freemasonry. One of them is, this guy's on the level. Well, in Masonry, we're taught that we meet on the level. That is, we are honest and fair in our dealings with each other. And so... And it's a square deal. A square deal. Another one. Uh, a square deal comes directly from Freemasonry. So a lot of things that you hear about are um, intended to create the impression, and they do. If somebody's on the level, that means he's an honest person. If you're going to get a square deal, you're going to get an honest deal. And those are some of the attributes of uh, Freemasonry, aren't they? They're very useful and applicable every day of your life. And that's a, one of the neat beauty things of being a Freemason. So one of the questions sometimes people ask is, 
can anyone be a Mason or a Freemason? The short answer is no. You have to be at least the age of 18. Um, you can't be um, so old that you're senile, for example. You have to have a comprehension of what you're doing. Uh, you have to be a man. It's not an organization for women. But there are many, many related organizations that are involved in the um, Masonic fraternity that are for women, like the Order of Eastern Star or Rainbow Girls for younger girls. When my wife, um, attorney Tenny Lance, who's on the show frequently, when she was in high school, she was a rainbow girl. And that was important at that time in her life, and she actually became a worthy advisor as a rainbow girl. And I didn't really understand that when I was, you know, dating her for the first time. But um, so there are related organizations for women. And the most common term that we use for lodges is the Blue Lodge. And the Blue Lodge, we say, is your regular Masonic lodges. It's all the lodges like uh, Pythagorean Lodge, Tabor Lodge in Fairhaven, Nokachoke Lodge in Westport, the three lodges that meet in New Bedford, the Fall River Lodge, um, uh, lodges, I should say. And we call those Blue Lodges because they're the basic framework of Freemasonry. And when you become a Mason, you take three degrees, um, which also is a term that has evolved into our English language. We're going to give him the third degree, and that now has become a different meaning when you say that, which means to question somebody. But it is sort of a questioning process, isn't it, Dino? We're, That's very true. We want to teach values, and we want to ask people about values, and um, they're asked, and whom do you put your trust, and you put your trust in God, things of that nature. So it, uh, there's a process to go through to take the three degrees. It's not really a great mystery as much as people think it is, although there have been some documentaries on television, most of which aren't usually very accurate. There's also a lot of books on Freemasonry. There's internet material, and there really aren't any secrets in Freemasonry that you can't learn by doing some research if you wanted to. So it's not a secret society, is it? It's a fraternity. It's a fraternal it a organization. Fraternity. It is a society of free-thinking Good, moral men. So sometimes people say, can a, can a Mason be a, a Catholic? And the answer is yes. Um, and we have probably a third of the members of my uh, lodge, starting these lodge, who are uh, Catholic. And the way you join Freemasonry, how do you become a Freemason, is by asking. You have to go through an application process. Uh, sort of consistent with the times, there's now a background check that's done on people. Uh, that didn't used to be the case, but uh, as with applying for jobs today, if you do a background check, there's a background check that's done if you want to apply to become a Mason. It's not very expensive. Um, I don't know what the current cost is, but it's usually about $150, I think, to join somewhere in that range. And I know for me, this, some of the people that I've sponsored who really haven't had the resources I've actually paid their first year's initiation cost and dues. And uh, that's always a good thing to do. But a woman, a woman cannot be a Mason, um, but they could be a member of Eastern Star, which is a related organization. But above all, Freemasonry is not a religion, is it? No, it is not. And um, once you become a member of the Lodge, a third-degree Mason, we like to say there is no higher rank in Masonry 
than becoming taking your third degree and becoming a master mason. That's very true. So you become an entered apprentice when you take your first degree. Um, then you take your second degree, and then you take your third degree. And when you take your third degree, you're a master mason. You don't have to go any higher. You can go to meetings. You can get active. You can become an officer in the lodge if you choose and move up through the ranks and eventually become master of your lodge, uh, as you are right now. So um, beyond that, there are a lot of offshoot branches of Freemasonry. There is the York Rite and there's the Scottish Rite. When we come back, we're going to talk about those in a minute because um, the highest rank that you can become in Freemasonry is a 33rd degree Mason. And I've had the privilege of having that honor uh, bestowed on me. So I am a 33rd degree Mason member of the Scottish Rite. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to talk a little bit about Masonic funerals. We're going to talk about things that Masons do to support charities, and we're going to talk a lot about the history. And you're going to be amazed when you find out, for example, who was involved in the Boston Tea Party at the American Revolution. So stay tuned, and we will be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back, and good Sunday morning. Today we're talking about Freemasonry. We're celebrating the fact that Massachusetts is the third oldest Masonic jurisdiction in the world. And we'd like to remind everybody that if you have interest, on Saturday, October 19th, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., every single lodge building in Massachusetts, 200 lodges, I shouldn't say every single, but almost all, will be having an open house. So if you have curiosity, if you'd just like to see what the buildings are like, um, Saturday, October 19th, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., visit one of the lodges near you. And if you have interest uh, in becoming a Mason, by all means, get in touch with uh, Worshipful Dino Valenti, who's here with me this morning. Uh, he's currently master of the Pythagorean Lodge in Marion. Or you could talk to me, uh, Ray Lance. By the way, as you know, we, we've been on the radio for a long time. You can always reach me at 508-998-8858. But certainly visit one of the lodges. You're going to get a tour. You're going to have a chance to talk to some of the fellow brother Master Masons. Freemasonry is, is simply the oldest, and it's the largest, and it's the most widely recognized fraternal organization in the world. And it, what it does, basically, it unites men of good character. You can be of different religious, ethnic, and social backgrounds. We have minorities in our lodge. Um, but you have to share a common belief in a single supreme being, in God. And you have to believe that all men are equal. We believe in the brotherhood of man. Very, very important principle. And um, it traces its roots back to the Middle Ages, but modern Freemasonry really began in 1717 in the country of England, establishing the first Grand Lodge. And then Ireland was second, Massachusetts was third. We're very proud of that, aren't we, Dino? Yes, we are. And uh, welcome back to Dino Valenti. Andrew Jackson, did you ever hear of Andrew Jackson in this country historically? Yes. Andrew Jackson was a masonry, was a mason. He said, Freemasonry is an institution calculated to benefit mankind. So lots of very famous people have been masons over the years. That doesn't mean that you'll become famous if you become a Freemason, does it? It's a rather interesting angle, isn't it? It is. <laughs> I don't plan on becoming famous. <laughs> I'm infamous, I think. Uh, infamous. We all become infamous. 
in a manner with people. <clears throat> so Theodore Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt was a Mason. Um, Teddy Roosevelt became portly um, as he got older, and he had to visit. A, he visited a lodge once, and they met on the third floor of a building, and they had people actually carry him upstairs <laughs> so he could attend the lodge building. But Teddy Roosevelt once said, "Give the brethren a chance to do something, anything, no matter how small or unimportant. A brother convinced that he is helpful is enthusiastic." You know, it's it's interesting. I can't tell you how many times. I've asked somebody in a lodge, could I ask you to help me do something? They'll say, sure, what can I help you do? They don't even, they just do it. Everybody pitches in and helps. Once in a while, if there's a brother in need, um, other brothers will pitch in to help. I've done that, and I'm sure that you've done that as well, Dino. It's all from the heart. It's all from the heart. It's a wonderful organization. And I'm gonna give you one more quotation from Teddy Roosevelt. I violate no secret when I say that one of the greatest values in masonry is that it affords an opportunity for men of all walks of life to meet on common ground where all men are equal and have one common interest. So we're equal. We're brothers. Yes, we are. I want to talk about some of the uh, interesting masons that we've had uh, in our history, though. So Ben Franklin was a mason, and I think most people probably know that. Uh, George Washington performed Masonic rites when he broke ground at the Capitol building. By the way, it's, it, for many, many centuries now, for two centuries, it's been a tradition that when important public buildings are constructed, that the cornerstone is laid in a ceremony by Masonic organizations. And so when you see a cornerstone of a building, especially uh, government buildings, uh, very often that cornerstone has been laid in a ceremonial service by uh, Masons and Masonic organizations. And to mention, they're also placed in the northeast corner. Yes, in the northeast corner. And that becomes part of our symbol in lodges because the youngest Mason, when they uh, start to go through their ritual and, and learn, they're placed in the northeast corner of the lodge. Uh, so there's a lot of really interesting parallels between things that have happened in our society uh, Dino, I wonder if you knew that uh, Mozart, the composer, was a Mason. And so was Beethoven. And so was Beethoven. And Simon Bolivar from, from uh, was it Brazil or, Yugos, or Uruguay? I forgot what country. He was a 33rd degree Mason. Um, and Mark Twain, I, did, I didn't know before. I quote Mark Twain a lot. So do I. And Winston Churchill was a Mason. And I so found that Franklin out. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. They Franklin Delano buddies. Roosevelt. Yep. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was an honorary member. I'm not sure how active he was. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover, who ran the FBI with an iron grip, was a master mason by the time he was 25 years old. Earl Warren, Supreme Court Justice, was a mason. Uh, let's see. He was one of five Masonic chief justices in the United States. So five chief justices in this country have been Masons. It's, I didn't know that before. And also John Glenn, astronaut. Yep, astronaut John Glenn was First a Mason. First man to orbit the Earth. <clears throat> Jesse Jackson was a Mason. And in fact, Jesse Jackson is a 33rd degree Prince Hall Mason. So let me say a word about Prince Hall Masons. Um, we have the regular Grand Lodge of Massachusetts, and then we have 
sort of a parallel organization called the Prince Hall uh, Lodge. And a Prince Hall Lodge has been mostly African-Americans, minorities. Did you know, and you probably do know this, Dino, that the Grand Lodge of Massachusetts was the first Grand Lodge in the country to recognize the Prince Hall Lodges as being equal? That is very true, and that's a very important tenet. It's a very important part of our, our profession, as we like to say, that everybody should be equal. Right now, most of the Grand Lodges in this country do recognize Prince Hall Masons as being equal with them. They're welcome in each other's lodges, and we do celebrate events with the local Prince Hall Lodges as well and frequently have them attending our own lodges. And you might mention where the name Prince Hall came from. Well, I'm going to have you do that because I don't know. <clears throat> well, as I know it, Prince Hall was actually a, a master mason by name. And way back, I believe, in the late 1800s, uh, due to his uh, Masonic uh, charities and what have you, um, they became a body <coughs> of master masons. And it took somewhere around, not that long ago, but a good know, 40 years or so, late 70s, mm -hmm. a true recognition of them by Grand Lodge by a very interesting Freemason of <clears throat> our district who was a district deputy um, at the time. That um, was Jack. Oh, I know who you mean, yep. It was a lawyer in New Bedford? Yes. Yep. Yeah, I'm not going to remember his name either. <clears throat> but he was the principal um, person that convinced Grand Lodge, Massachusetts, and the Grand Master that Prince Hall needed recognition on an equal basis in Massachusetts. And their Grand Lodge is not that far south of Grand Lodge, Massachusetts, in mm. the city of Boston. Well, the other interesting thing that happened is that uh, I've told this story before. Who was it? It was Jack Levine. Jack Levine, yes. <coughs> Jack Levine was Counselor, sort of famous attorney. in our area. Very famous. Yes. And uh, he was very devoted to, to Freemasonry. And the interesting story about uh, Worshipful Jack Levine <clears throat> was his classmate, where they, where he got his uh, Juris degree, was Effley Bailey. They were best friends. I didn't know that. And they were both champions of the American equality. Well, lots, speaking of champions, John, really Elway, John Elway, a two-time Super Bowl <clears throat> champion and, and quarterback, um, is a Mason. And just lots and lots of people, um, uh, Jesse Jackson, uh, John Wayne, Strom Thurmond, Shaquille O'Neal, um, Paul Revere. Paul Revere in Massachusetts was not only a Mason, but he was a Grand Master of Masons in Massachusetts. But come back to the uh, Revolutionary War. Um, it's estimated that somewhere between one-third and one-half of the participants in the Boston Tea Party were Masons. They were. Because, again, they believed in fairness and equality and truth. And so we've had a very long history in Massachusetts, haven't we? Yes, we have. Very colorful at that. I want to mention one other thing that Masons in Massachusetts have done and what our Grand Lodge does, has done. And I've, I'm a very uh, strong supporter of our Grand Lodge. Um, there was a revolution in the country of Iran. The religious ayatollahs got together and they threw out the Shah of Iran and they now have a totally religious society. 
One of the first things the Ayatollahs did in Iran was they banned Freemasonry. They said you can no longer practice Freemasonry in the country of Iran. Massachusetts Grand Lodge has opened its doors and recognized the Grand Lodge of Iran in exile. So twice a year, the Grand Lodge of Iran in exile comes to have their meeting, and Iranians from all around the country and all around the world uh, come to Grand Lodge. So we have been a very open and accepting um, organization with lots of history. And if you ever have a chance to visit the Grand Lodge building itself in Boston, it's uh, magnificent to see. So another very quick reminder that on this coming Saturday, October 19th, Grand Lodges, excuse me, I should say, well, the Grand Lodge as well, but lodges across the state of Massachusetts will be having an open house um, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. It's open to the public. You're welcome to attend. It's an opportunity to see what goes on inside these interesting buildings and see what they look like and take the time to do that. But... When we talk about Freemasonry, um, I have to tell you one other story. At once upon a time, a number of years ago, probably 12, 15 years ago, I was a Grand Lodge officer. I was what's called a Grand Steward. That was kind of fun, except it took a lot of my time that year. I was out between my regular meetings and other meetings that I attended, other events for Grand Lodge. I was out 200 times in the course of one year. And that's a lot of effort. That is a lot of uh, going back and forth to Boston, was, of all places. We're way down here, about 60 miles or so south. Yeah, <laughs> but it was, a, it was a lot of fun. I got to visit a lot of lodges across the state. But I also had a, a vacation trip, the one and only time I've ever gone to visit Hawaii. And I did a little research before I went, and purely by coincidence, the week that I was going to be there, they were having the 100th anniversary of the founding of the Grand Lodge of Hawaii. And I got a letter of introduction from the Grand Secretary in Boston. I brought my Masonic apron and my jewels and everything else that I had to wear. And I um, wrote to the lodge and told them I'd like to visit during that time because you have to ask for permission if you're going to go and present yourself. So I did that. And I extended the warm fraternal greetings of the Grand Master of Masons in Massachusetts. And it was really a nice event. I talked a little bit about the historical connections between Um, New Bedford and Hawaii. You know, the whaling industry began here, but then Hawaii was a very important part of the whaling industry. So there was some good parts to that story and there's some bad parts to that story. Obviously, they also brought disease and whatnot. But it was a really interesting visit, and I enjoyed it very much. And Ray, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe the very last king, King Kamehameha of Hawaii, was the Freemason. And that's a very interesting story all by itself Mm -hmm. of his travels to America and how he uh, came down to New Bedford, all places, and applied himself in an appendant Masonic body, the uh, Royal Arch Mm -hmm. chapter. Okay, so I didn't know that, but um, I do know some of the story of uh, King Kamehameha, who was the king (coughs) at the time, and he was a Freemason. And then later, um, they formed the Royal Order of, I think it's the Royal Order of Kamehameha, which is now a parallel organization that's sort of like the Masons. They've adopted a lot of Masonic symbolism. So when I went to this 100th anniversary centennial celebration, they had both um, Masons from across the, the state of Hawaii, but they also had the Royal Order of Kamehameha was there as well. And it was 
it was a beautiful ceremony because the regular Masons did their thing, and then the Royal Order of Kamehameha came in, and they had these wonderful, colorful robes on, and they sang Hawaiian songs. It was just one of the best experiences I've ever had. And all because we're Freemason. Yeah, you know, it's, that's interesting. When you become a Freemason, you, you have an opportunity to visit other jurisdictions too, don't you? I know sometimes our lodge will go down um, with half a dozen members and visit a lodge in Providence, for example, in Rhode Island or other states. I know um, we've, I've visited lodges in Florida and London and, and France and so forth. And it's always interesting to go. And usually if you go and if you've been any kind of an officer and you have your apron with you, um, often you're invited to sit up front. You're invited to sit in the east and sometimes just say a few words as few as possible. Everybody <laughs> <coughs> has its merits. Yes, it does. But it's an interesting, fascinating organization. Let's talk about um, two offshoots briefly, and I'd like to talk about some of the charities that we do. Absolutely. Uh, charitable things that we support before we run out of time. So we talked earlier, uh, Dino, and we're talking with uh, Dino Valenti, uh, currently Master of Pythagorean Lodge. And We've talked about the fact that you become a third-degree Mason. You're now a Master Mason. You don't have to ever go higher if you don't want to. But if you choose to, you could go into the York Rite, and uh, that's an offshoot branch, and you can go through the various degrees of the York Rite and become a 32nd-degree Mason. Or you can also go through the Scottish Rite branch of Freemasonry, and you can also receive the 32nd-degree. Um, the Scottish Rite is the only branch of uh, any type of Freemasonry that awards the 33rd degree, which is purely an honorary degree. You don't study for it. You don't apply for it. And um, as I said um, about seven years ago, it was my privilege to be selected to receive the 33rd degree. And I've had a lot of fun doing that. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm proud of that. I've often said that my single proudest possession I own is my 33rd degree ring, period. Nothing else is as important as that is. I agree. So it's a proud organization no matter what level you're involved in. Um, I'm a member of both York Rite and Scottish Rite. I just don't have the time to go to all the programs. I pay my dues. I'm more active in the Scottish Rite than I am. Um, but So you can become a 32nd degree Mason by going through the York Rite or the Scottish Rite and um, we have a lot of symbolism that we use in Freemasonry. Um, when you go into most Masonic lodges up front, you'll see the letter G up front. So I'm going to ask you, Dino, put you on the spot. What does the letter G stand for? <clears throat> well, it has several indications. The Good, first it does. is the deity of the uh, name of God. Correct. But more uh, connectively and more useful uh, as well, is the word means geometry. Yes, it does. So we have God and geometry, and they are synonymous with each other. And geometry, explanation. if you think of it, is really a sense of order, and, and that's one of the things that we teach in Freemasonry as well. Now, are you a Shriner by any chance? Not yet, but okay. I'm working on it. Good. So I happen to be a Shriner as well, and a lot of people have heard about Shriners and the Shrine annual Shrine football game, and everybody has heard of the Shrine hospitals, speaking of Masonic charities. So to become a Shriner, first of all, you have to be a Mason. 
And if you are a Mason, you can apply and become a Shriner. So I'm a, I'm a Shriner also. Again, I don't have much time for the meetings, but I pay my dues every year. The Shriners support, and I'm not going to know exactly what the number is right now, it's, it's over 20 hospitals in this country. And if you have health insurance, they will take the health insurance. But if you don't have health insurance, the care is free. And predominantly, it's for children. And it started out as the Shriners Burns Institute and it, because we used to have a lot of children that were burned badly in fires. Uh, now they not only are experts in the world on burns, but they also do orthopedics, children with cleft palates, children with physical deformities uh, who might need prosthesis and so forth. And they actually bring in children from all around the world as well as this country. So a very, very worthwhile organization. And we've also teamed up with the St. Jude's Hospital right. um, Association mm-hmm. most recently. So when you become a Mason, you're going to learn that most of the um, charitable endeavors of Masons have to do with children. And the Scottish Rite, for example, um, they have um, centers that help children with dyslexia and early learning problems. Uh, And they've been very instrumental in helping there. Um, And um, I'm not active enough in the York Rite to know uh, what organizations do they support. Do you know the York Rite? Um, York Wright does do early uh, adolescent um, uh, dental. Okay. So in New York, there's something called the um, National Masonic um, Medical Research Laboratory, and they do a lot of work in heart and organ transplants and so forth. So everything that Masons do is designed to support their local community. We do annual benefits to help the needy and the homeless. Um, and many, many charitable things that we do locally as well. We do blood drives. Blood we do drives? Food, can, non perishable uh, drives for the local food banks. Mm-hmm. So, masonry, if you become a mason, you feel good when you go to the meetings. You feel good knowing that you're a part of an organization that's doing something to help other people. You always have a feeling that you can ask another mason to help you do something, and you're going to get a yes answer and you're going to get a willing answer to help. It's a great organization. Um, Masons across Massachusetts are having an open house this Saturday, October 19th, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Visit a lodge near you. You can visit Pythagorean Lodge on 13 Spring Street in Marion. The Tabor Lodge is on 20 Center Street in Fairhaven. Nokachoke Lodge is in Westport on Hicksbridge Road, 305 Hicksbridge Road. Three lodges will be holding their open house in New Bedford at 435 County Street, corner of County and Union, and in Fall River, several of the lodges there will be holding their open houses at 152 Columbus Drive. So we were supposed to have another Mason uh, with us this morning. I'm going to give a shout-out to attorney J.P. Masella. Um, He just texted me, folks, and said, sorry, I just got dragged into court. Can't be here. It happens. And, um, That's his profession. He's a professional it's a, attorney. He's a noble profession. He's a very good master he, mason, yes, by the way. And he's master also mason, master of his master lodge of his in lodge. New Bedford. Yep. But mostly, uh, Dino, um, I would like to thank you for um, several reasons. One, I'd like to thank you for being here. And You're very welcome, my dear brother. Assisting in this endeavor. And he just gave me his Masonic handshake, and I gave him my Masonic handshake, by the way. 
I'd also like to uh, thank you for your service. You're very welcome. To our country, um, retiring as a Navy captain. William Howard Taft, president, once said, the true Mason always carries his working tools everywhere because it's our heart, it's our spirit. Uh, Dave Thomas, famous Mason, said, there are no strangers in Freemasonry, only friends you have yet to meet. And that's true, isn't it? And Dave Thomas was also a 33-degree Mason. Yes, he was. Fabulous man. And um, I have one other thing that I wanted to say to you, and um, mostly, Dino, I just want to say thank you for being my brother. I thank you. And that's the most important title we have in Masonry, isn't it? It most certainly is. We go in. We have a custom in our Masonic lodges that most people follow. When you walk into the lodge, you don't just walk in and take a seat on the sidelines. You go right down the line and you shake a hand with everybody who's there. If you know them, if you don't know them, you introduce yourself if you don't know them. Um, And it's just a wonderful, wonderful organization. So come out to an open house, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, we'd like to see you there. We'd like to see you consider becoming a masonry becoming a mason um and thank you so much for listening and again dino worshipful dino valenti thank you for being here this morning you're very welcome and thank you all for listening also